I'm John. I'm Rob. And this is the Mint One Podcast. Where we talk all things NFTs and the rise of blockchain gaming. Today we have a very special guest. We do. Sebastian Bourget, COO and co-founder of The Sandbox and president of the Blockchain Gaming Alliance. I'm sure everybody tuning into this podcast um, will know exactly who you are and what it is you do. But uh, for those for those who have been hiding behind rocks, um, could you tell us a little about your background and then, of course, how the sandbox came about and the story of it so far? Absolutely. Well, I think we'll still have a lot of people to educate about the metaverse in general and what we're at sandbox. So no worry if you haven't heard about us yet. Uh, I'm the COO and co-founder of Sandbox, which is a decentralized gaming virtual world where anyone can make 3D content and games and experiences and truly own them, own their identity, their avatar, uh, their creation, their assets, and have the ability to sell them, monetize them, exchange them with other users the way they want on the platform and outside of the platform. We essentially uh, started as a mobile game originally in 2012, with the idea that we wanted uh, players to become creators just by the touch of their finger, be able to bring to life 2D pixelated worlds and share them with other players. This concept became hugely popular and we've grown that game towards 40 million installs by then and millions of creations made by players. We also saw that over time, people love creating, love engaging with uh, this tool, this game, uh, could spend literally hours, days, sometimes weeks and months in it. But maybe after a point of time, they were leaving the game and moving on to other things. And one of the reasons was that we were not able to like share with them at least even a little portion of the revenue that they contributed to the game through their work, through their contribution, through their time. Social recognition wasn't enough. Towards 2017, we first found about uh, blockchain and uh, first blockchain game, CryptoKitties, and we immediately identified that the potential of NFTs combined to user-generated content would actually allow us to solve one of the key problems, which was like, uh, by rewarding the creator, letting them monetize the way they want it. So we work on a new version of Sandbox from then on. It's been close to four years. We turned Sandbox into a platform. Now that I've like creation tool, a 3D editor called Voxedit, a marketplace, a map, a no-code game maker. And uh, we essentially propose users to and creators to make experiences, social games, activities, virtual concerts, virtual shows that are accessed by an avatar and that anything they create in this world actually belong to them thanks to NFTs. Today, Sandbox is more than 4 million, counts more than 4 million users with a wallet. We're about to finish the Alpha Season 3, which is an important moment. It's an event that has enabled users to play with over 90 experiences, including 22 uh, brands, ex- branded experiences. Well, I'm sure we'll talk a bit more after about that. Um, we have 40,000 active players on a daily basis on average. We had 350,000 unique players uh, this month. So I'm pretty excited by the growth. We also brought in more than 400 major brands. Um, so it's starting to grow. 
rapidly and, and we're excited to be leading this um, the movement for the open metaverse. It's interesting. Um, I, I've been reading a lot about uh, Roblox recently and their business model and why they succeeded um, so much. They uh, invested a huge portion of profits into R&D. Um, but one of the uh, one of the successes they had, or at least it, it's been attributed, is the, um, as you say, the rewarding of creators, that, that they can get something out of what they create, um, not just socially, but but financially. Um, I was going to ask this question much later because I think it's a bit of a tough question, perhaps, uh, but you've kind of led up to it. So I'm just going to go, <laughs> go in for it. So what do you see if... The sandbox were to go the trajectory you want it to go and it's a build, continue building at the pace, amazing pace it's building at the moment. Where do you see it going? Do you see it becoming this sort of holistic metaverse for, for gaming and more, uh, more experiences? Obviously you, you've onboarded, um, brands, many brands outside of gaming as well. What is the, the kind of ultimate vision for the sandbox going forward over the next, you know, five, 10 years? All right. So. I'll get to that answer, but right before, I wanted to dig a little bit more about Roblox because yes, Roblox has grown as a very popular platform, mostly toward like kids and younger audiences, allowing them to earn a certain revenue. But if you scratch under the surface, like how much concretely are those creators, even the young one, are actually making? Roblox takes uh, 70%... Uh, 30% royalty on top of the revenue, but they also control the exchange rate. So like when the user spend one Robux, the, the creator receive one third of it. So the exchange rate is not fair on the buyer and seller side. So ultimately creators are left with very little from, uh, uh but, but the values that's been brought in as by themselves by creating the content and attracting the players. So I'm a little bit shocked when I hear that Roblox is investing a lot into the R&D. I think Roblox should first invest a lot into rewarding fairly their creators. Like us, 95% of the revenue goes back to the creator. And when we collect 5% royalties on the transaction of NFT, 50% of that goes back to the foundation, which again support the creator. So that's an important commitment that they should look at. The second thing that I think creators should worry about when they build on top of Roblox is they should look at the term of service of the platform and more specifically at who owns the intellectual property and the copyright of the creation. They will find out that actually they don't own that and they own very little, if not nothing. They cannot transfer their creation outside of Roblox or to other users. They cannot sell it outside of Roblox platform. And sometimes even the game they created, the IP they create isn't theirs. So I'm worried that the future, all that creativity that's been brought in into Roblox is going to end up into this closed world garden platform instead of like contributing to a more open metaverse. And that leads me to my second, uh, to, to your question originally, like where do we see ourselves in future? We see ourselves as like, one of uh, the main place indeed for people to become more creative, to give access to creativity to anyone thanks to this no code approach. Whereas in Roblox, you have to learn the programming language, etc. But ultimately we want the players, the landowners, the creators, the builders, the artists to also own that world that they contribute to build. And so I really see the metaverse as this space, uh, like, for me, the metaverse is like this 
both uh, technology revolution, but also like a social revolution. We are going to see more than just games. We're going to see a lot of social experiences, virtual concerts, virtual shows, art galleries, museums, which attract to a broader audience, more adult audience as well. The fact that we have already 400 brands onboarded on the Sandbox. We launched yesterday Gucci Vault in Sandbox. We launched CryptoWin with Paris Hilton last week. And the season three where we had Walking Dead, Care Bears, uh, The Rabbits, Warner Music, uh, Steve Aoki, and many other content was also been tremendously uh, fun to play and, and uh, interact and engage with. And a great showcase of the possibilities. We want to create a world where we blend all that content. Like people can take and mix the, their favorite characters, their favorite content all together. They can use it to create on their own land that they monetize or they can enter a world that somehow has no more uh, frontier in the creativity because you have access to both the user generated content and new IP will be born on Sandbox and the existing brand from the real world. Fantastic. So I, just on your point there, you were, you referred to the, the open metaverse. And uh, of course, the Sandbox was a founding member of the open metaverse alliance for web three, which is, you know, all about tackling these interoperability challenges, um, you know, between different blockchains and creating these uniform standards. Um, I was, I was there in person at the global NFT summit in July when you, you spoke about it with, um, with Saro from Alien Worlds and with Dirk from Upland and, uh, and various other people. So, what what progress has been made on the the aims of the Open Metaverse Alliance for Web three um, between then and now? So we've found like an enormous amount of support in general from, of course, Web three actor, but also a certain number of um, companies that used to be in Web two but are moving into Web three, hundreds of application, and we've going to announce at Web Summit officially. So uh, next week. Uh, the opening of the OMA3, the Open Metaverse Alliance for memberships and, and everything moving into process. So it took some time to structure everything, but I'm, we're now ready to go full speed and have several working groups that will also be, uh, created and put in place. So I'm really glad that we will be able to speak as one voice to contribute to actual research and to, um, show like how Web3 is a way forward to establish like interoperability standards because it is by design from the protocol, from the use of one technology, which is blockchain. And as of now, uh, as of now, I only know uh, blockchain as a technology that provides this level of trust, of transparency, and uh, that is required. So it's no longer in the control of one centralized uh, entity alone. Yeah, fantastic. And it's great to see all of these, uh, you know, these standout projects in the space coming together for kind of the common good uh, of the industry, so to speak. And I, I, hey, I'm, I'll look forward to when those uh, memberships become open, that's for sure. Um, so kind of my, my natural follow on to that question is, uh, of course, as part of the Sandbox, you have the, the Sandbox marketplace where people can, you know, purchase, purchase skins, purchase items, all of that. Um, and with this interoperability aim of OMA3 where you know you'd be able to hop from one metaverse into another and you know there's this sharing of uh, of items so to speak between various projects um how will that impact the the sandbox marketplace you know will will the sandbox marketplace start to um support or let's say facilitate the sales of nfts outside of the sandbox itself or how do you think that will that will play into that that wider aim 
It's a definitely a great question. And before I think like more specifically at marketplace of sandbox itself, I'm thinking first of the assets that have been created by the on sandbox using Voxedit put for sale on the sandbox marketplace, but they're also available already on OpenSea and Rarible and many other uh, NFT marketplaces. And they can already be used outside of sandbox platform and its game maker and the, the 3D world game client. They can be used into mobile uh, AR application like Jadoo, Genie, OVR, um, typically. And um, ourselves, we've been accepting a lot of external NFTs into the sandbox to give life to them, to enable creating quests, or even like representing 2D NFT as 3D content. So that's the start of interoperability here. And we've proven that when people play with their NFTs, they are more engaged into a virtual world. We get uh, typically playing with your avatar. If you own that, um, you will have like much higher retention, playtime and engagement than without. So that's a great uh, validation from the community of NFT owners. Our marketplace has started as well to list external NFTs, those avatars that you can, uh, that have been created outside of Sandbox, where there are like a, a little bit over 20 NFT collection, like Clonex, Cyberconks, Coolcat, Bordape, World of Women, etc. We help you buy those external NFTs taking you outside to OpenSea so that you can use them in Sandbox. Hmm. There's, there's one thing um, I you only mentioned briefly there, but it just cropped into my head that I'd love to get your thoughts on. You mentioned VR and AR, which is obviously something that's become a big part of the vision for the metaverse. I mean, you know, Ready Player One, and we, we've all seen the sort of um, sci-fi vision for it. I've criticized Mark Zuckerberg in the past for, for almost presenting the metaverse as intrinsically linked with, with, with VR and AR and that it almost must be a VR experience. Do you think it, firstly, do you think it must be a VR experience? Uh, and then do you think it will become one over time? Absolutely not. Um, I've said that quite many times that the metaverse is like this myriad of virtual world that you as usual access with an avatar and how you access it. It could be literally on any platform, any device. The metaverse will be based on the web, on a PC, on Mac, on mobile, on AR, VR, in console, etc. The concept of the metaverse is not like how you enter into it. It's like how you can take your asset, your digital identity, your virtual land, houses, etc from one of those world and devices to another. That's really the concept of the metaverse. And so, uh, obviously, there are financial interests from Meta to push toward like the consumption of like the VR headset. One for, uh, because they are the distributor, they acquire Oculus, they produce it, they earn revenue. Indirectly, it's also, uh, you have to think in the term of like how Facebook is normally monetizing, who's selling ads by, uh, collecting your data, your privacy, and using it for targeting you better. But where do they sell those ads? Basically, they, they sell it through platforms like Apple, and the App Store, and Google Play Store. Suddenly, over the next last two years, there's been changes in the way that you can track and target users on App Store. iOS 15 has been 
like definitely killing targeting and that's affected Facebook core business. So it, the way that they found to counterbalance that was we need to build our own distribution platform, our own app and control it. And that's where the Oculus Rift and uh, um, like the VR platform took more importance because that's one that's not been taken by uh, Apple or Google yet. So you, they want to push through the device and through uh, the concept, but they are lacking the content. Like even if I buy an Oculus Rift right now, there's no, and I did, I bought the Oculus Quest Pro to try it, um, get an idea of how it's evolving. We we keep benchmarking, we keep looking at R&D. It's still definitely lacking a lot of great content. And that's maybe one of my main feedback, like Metaverse should be first and foremost about creativity. Users need to be excited to enter it, but have great content as well to use and to come back into it. So that's why I think like user-generated content is a great way to drive that content combined with major brands that also offer unique experiences. And by making it as accessible as possible, first on web uh, and PC and Mac like Sandbox and mobile next year, our plan is to launch mobile by second half of next year, we will hopefully grow the audience 200 millions of users and make one bigger step forward, like the true realization of the metaverse. Fantastic. Um, Just speaking of the brands, I think uh, the brands that you're working with, the sandbox has become almost a, I mean, not a gatekeeper, but it feels like, you know, all of these iconic big brands that everyone knows and experiences on a day-to-day basis are all partnering with the sandbox in one way or another. Um, so I, I know within the last few days, you know, you've teamed up with Paris Hilton for Crypto Ween. You've got Mighty Jacks for a little Halloween thing as well. Um, and you previously mentioned your collaboration with Gucci. You had the, the digital art auction with Sotheby's. We're seeing so many of these you know, fantastic partnerships. I'm sure we're doing wonders for the space. So I think I've got two, two questions um, related to that. One, with the with the bear market that's gone on for, I mean, it's been the last nine, ten months or so, has that affected at all the, the rate at which uh, brands and IPs are reaching out to you to become part of this new, you know, Web3 metaverse world that we're in? Uh, and also, how do these partnerships factor into how you aim to, to onboard new users into the, the metaverse world? Well... Metaverse is definitely not related to market cycles. What we are seeing is actually like we're growing in terms of players and users. We're growing in terms of like uh, creators and the number of studios who come and learn how to build experiences uh, for themselves or for the brand on the platform. We recently moved to over 200 studios around the world. And the number of brands who come to the platform keeps increasing with new announcements every week for them to enter acquire land and now they are entering and starting to build with those studios the experiences. That's for me like a great sign that uh, things are going all right, we're on the right track. And then to the question of like why so many brands are choosing Sandbox, I think like within the landscape of Web3, there's number of options that we all know. There's Decentraland, Somnium Space, there is uh, Crypto Voxels, there's Sandbox. Sandbox has clearly uh, shown that we have a strong focus around like gaming. That's our DNA. It's been 10 years. And we've 
the, the kind of creative possibility in sandbox, you can see that now you can uh, enter season, you can try the events and it is effectively working, driving audiences and, and pretty fun to interact and, and create with. So it will become not, not the only, like we are not gating access to the metaverse. We just try to bring value to the brands and to the users. And if we do it right, and it seems we are on, on, somehow on a good path, brands follow because they can, they try the product, they see by themselves. Of course, we want the metaverse to keep growing. And, and our goal is like there will be many other actors, many other virtual worlds that users can take their own. And it's great that there is a lot of choice available on platform, on devices, and the kind of interaction you can do. Hmm, that's, uh, I think your onboarding has been something that's caught a lot of people's eye, both in inside and outside of Web3. Uh, the flagship uh, brands and partnerships that you've had uh, akin to what we've seen with huge chains like polygon as a whole you know with their reddit and starbucks like that they've onboarded mm -hmm. but that kind of makes sense because they provide a, a very wide service and obviously there's lots you can do if you're integrating blockchain into your company um when it comes to onboarding the 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 really wide array of people that you've you've onboarded from you know gordon ramsay's hell's kitchen <laughs> to uh tony hawks i mean it it's, it's really like a widespread. I wondered uh, two things, I guess. It, it, one, is there something that these, what do you find is the most common thread for these brands when they look at the sandbox? What are they excited about? What do they hope to get out of the partnership? And then the opposite of that, is there, I don't know if how much outreach you do to try and onboard brands, but is there a, a point of common resistance that you find with, with companies and brands? So, Right now, like the onboarding is still remains one of the main challenge. Like we have the reach through uh, those brands. We can reach to over a billion fans globally, but there is still like some effort on, from the users to be able to get on the platform, create a wallet for the first time and enter the space. We've seen that kind of resistance to technology in the past. We're still into this early adoption uh, curve, in my opinion. And we haven't yet reached the plateau or the point, sorry, where inflection point, the technology is so seamless, people understood it fully. So it's better than it used to be, but we're at a point. Sandbox is a driving force for bringing more users. We, we see like more than half of the user who enter Sandbox actually created the wallet for the first time. They created it because they want to play, they want to interact. And we're tweaking the whole process to improve that user experience, make it shorter to enter, first create your avatar, play with your avatar, get your wallet and uh, own your, uh, the rewards you collect, like the tokens and token and NFTs on that wallet. Our goal is still like ultimately to create web-free wallets. Uh, like I mentioned at the beginning, we have a little bit over 4 million users with a registered wallet. It's important because that wallet is your, um, your, your passport, uh, your account across all the web free services, not just sandbox, but the one you're going to use to connect with every other app, one that will follow you all your life and contain your NFTs and so on. So it's valuable. And we see the value of people having wallets with token on it, even giving them for the first time 
their first NFT, their first token, is a great way then to to keep them even more engaged over time and help them build that value for themselves. So ultimately, we grow our audience slowly, but we grow it. And um, at the same time, brands like it. Brands like that there is a destination where there are users, there are creators, and there are users. uh, player, they understand it's not as big as Roblox or Fortnite and so on. Obviously, we are not in the hundred of million of users yet. We didn't start it twenty years ago, but we have an audience that is more captive, more engaged, and which has potentially more value on their account that they can cross pollinize through interoperability and using their NFT to gain access to experiences or use NFT to. Uh, whitelist you access for minting on some collection or reward users based on their NFT ownership through physical merchandising or virtual experiences. In my opinion, that's the main point of Web3, um, the description that Web3 proposed and enabling to create new business model thanks to that. Brands also, one of their challenge is that been growing, they've been growing over the past 10 years by giving up all their data to Facebook, to Google. And and the number one challenge they have now is like, they say we cannot acquire new users without keeping paying those platforms. And the cost of advertising of those platforms keep rising. So we, we've been deprived of our own data, of the ownership of, uh, and the, 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 they all talk about CRM, Web3 as a first CRM tool, because they want to get back the contact and, and the intelligence related to like, this is our community. We want users to own their data and their content, but we also want to, to be able to have a closer relationship, disintermediated from those platforms who control and everything, including ultimately our revenue, because, well, they, they capture a lot of uh, like that revenue due to their cost. And I think that's what uh, uh, Web3 in general is solving for brand. And Sandbox is a fun destination to do that because a real utility to play, to interact, to socialize, combined to the user-generated content, enabling brands to co-create their presence, to open themselves to the community and uh, see a lot of creativity around is also a very positive message. And we can use as a platform for so many different activities and purpose from like gaming, but also like positive impact, sustainability, ecological impact, uh, education, and much more. Hmm. Okay. And sorry, if I can just, um, just jump in the second half of that question, I wondered if you could just unpack the resistance you, you felt because uh, there's obviously a lot of brands are, are very tentative about moving into Web3, particularly the gaming side, as we've seen, you know, there's a lot of backlash with it. Um, is there anything when it comes to the brands that you're looking at partnering with and creating experiences with? Is there a common thread when it comes to resistance or any sort of um, reluctance? Well, the... I see less and less resistance, actually. So when we started to build a sandbox platform four years ago, people uh, didn't understood what was NFT, what was the purpose of it, uh, how to use it, and so on. Now, most of the brands, they have chief metaverse officers, like head of web free strategy, head of NFT strategy. So they build team who have part of the culture and the communities. They are on Discord themselves. They understand those groups. 
uh, and how they work. And they offer, uh, and they want to work in a strategy that is meaningful and not short term, like a token sale or NFT sale, but mid to long term strategy with multiple engagement points, uh, including presence in the metaverse where they can engage their user uh, creatively and with social, various social and gaming activities. So, um, it used to take us two years to convince a brand to enter Sandbox. Now, like within a matter of months or sometimes week, just showing them the possibility, having our team behind in support uh, for like iteration, uh, ideation, brainstorming, we're able to engage them rapidly because they see the potential. We also see that um, in the gaming industry, contrary to uh, what you can read very often into certain uh, press, not all press. I'm on the floor. I speak at those events. I meet the developer. I see more and more developers who are intrigued, curious, and want to innovate with Web3 for also the benefit of their players. They want to give more ownership of the economy and the content to other players. So ultimately, I feel like with education, with good use case, good example, we have to lead by example. It will uh, unfold and that resistance, that resilience will will be going even lower. Hmm. Well, the Web3 culture has this fantastic sense of community and togetherness. And I think we're seeing a lot of, you know, traditional businesses, Web2 businesses, so to speak, really want to or realize that this sense of community and togetherness is there. And they or they want to find ways to kind of incorporate that, that kind of feel around their brand and, and really get involved in that. And I kind of echo what you've said with regards to developers. I mean, uh, you know, me, both me and Rob were at Gamescom. We've just had one of our writers go to Gamescom Asia. And yeah, speaking to, to developers, uh, I mean, if you were to believe the, you know, the typical gaming audience, so to speak, like, ah, oh, we, we don't like NFTs, et cetera, et cetera. But you go and speak to developers and they're, they're very open-minded. And I think they're trying to find the, the best ways for, you know, this new industry to work for them. Um, one, one point I was going to ask is, Obviously, within the last few weeks, um, especially, we have seen um, Epic Games um, start to onboard Web3 experiences into their store. So, you know, they've got, uh, we've got Blancos, they've got Grit, which just entered closed beta, and Forge Arena, which is a game on Wax, is uh, going to be heading to the Epic Games store in a few months' time. Um, so there's two, two parts to this question. One, um, Steam, up to this point, has been very... Uh, very staunt in their, you know, their, their attitude towards NFTs and that they don't really want anything to do with them. Um, do you think that will change because of the, the kind of the interest that the Epic Game Store has seen? Uh, and second to that, would you explore any options or, or is the sandbox in any um, discussions to perhaps uh, become available on platforms such as the Epic Game Store? So, uh, when Steam decided to ban uh, blockchain and NFT game, we uh, I provided some comments at that time that it was very surprising for a platform which originally was here to support creators, indie developers to be promoted to make such a decision. Like it was kind of like cutting with the roots of like experimentation innovation, and uh, but they never openly replied to those de- to that decision. And well, they made a decision like basically to cut themselves from the ways to are like what the future of gaming could be and stay within a certain comfort zone. 
And uh, in a way, I, I feel like uh, they are less and less of an interesting platform. Also, like to be on Steam, you have to use a Steam SDK. Steam SDK is centralizing the data back to the platform Steam, which is very against the ethos of Web3. So not very interesting to look at them. For me, they are a platform of the past already. But you look at all the platform, Epic, I think, is smarter in that sense. They start to allow blockchain games, uh, valuable games that people can play, like Blancos is uh, a very fun multiplayer game. Uh, I think by all means, people can say it's a great game. So it's good that they are showcasing great games to onboard NFT, uh, to, to onboard to the potential of NFTs to are like the more mainstream audience of their platform. Um, I believe that there is no way that platform are not going to offer to certain level like a support of NFT or an allowance for NFT. Like it's already out there. You don't fight technology. You don't fight Web3. Web3 is not going to go back uh, and everyone forget it in a few weeks or a few months and they say, oh, we're so great with Web2. Let's go back to uh, everyone to, to not owning user data and so on. Uh, you even see Apple more often updating their guidelines regarding NFT. It's a level of recognition of it. Once you recognize it, it's just a matter of like evolving smartly, talking to the developer of the industry. So giving voice to the developer, hearing them out to offer something that I think is, is consistent with where the industry wants to move. And um, I'm sure like we're going to see in 2023 even more evolution favorable evolution toward that because more games are coming in Web3. They are being developed now or, or getting in the stage to launch. And we are also at Sandbox looking at how to make Sandbox accessible to all of the platform. Right now, we have to build our own distribution, download everything on our website, which is great. We learned how to do that all alone without having to rely on external platform. But we are not against the extra help or nudge once we become available on mobile or uh, want to reach broader audiences on PC uh, as well. Yeah, the, the Steam point is, a, is an interesting one. So when they announced that, I wrote a, an article just giving my thoughts a little bit like you did. And, and I felt like it was a betrayal of indie developers in particular. They had spent so long, Steam had become this central pillar of gaming and they had empowered indie developers to actually distribute their game and get in front of the eyes of gamers, which had been the, the biggest problem for indie developers. And it felt like such a step backwards. Um, but I, I wrote an article recently about the sandbox and it links a little bit to Steam. And I've been thinking about it more and more lately. So I thought I'd just ask for your thoughts on it. So in a recent article on sandbox, I described it as the ultimate meta game. And I don't mean that in like a metaverse sense, although it is, I mean that it's a game that contains games and I wondered if you think, do you think that is, I mean, obviously that's an important part of the sandbox model, but do you think that is necessarily the future of gaming that perhaps we always see old Web3 Steam? I see that every single week. Somebody's building Web3 Steam, um, but perhaps Steam isn't going to be a 2D platform at all. Perhaps the next Steam is going to be like what you've done, where there's games inside of games and it's kind of a, a meta game thing. What do you think about that? I think mean, that would be uh, uh, very interesting. Uh, like our approach is to enable users through an avatar to access very diverse experiences. They walk into one digital space 
which we call land in sandbox, where they can like uh, socialize, have a party with their friends, or meet new people. To another, where they start playing. To another, where they visit an art gallery. To another, where they start learning uh, or attend a concert. And so on. it's a very vibrant place. That's just one walk away with your avatar. Right now, every game experience is very uh, siloed. Like I have to install the application. It's uh, it has its own runtime, and I only play the core game and the meta game originally by the developer. By any means, that's not going to disappear. We'll still have great game on console, on PC, on mobile with that kind of distribution. But I find it more also quite interesting to uh, keep your identity and move across those different uh, places and kind of gameplay. A good way to think about that is maybe Wreck-It Ralph from Disney, this uh, 3D animation uh, movie that really like put the characters as they walk from the social hub to uh, different uh, games. Hmm. Yeah, that's it, it's, it's an interesting step, I think, for gaming. Uh, and perhaps Steam's um, ban on NFTs might end up prompting uh, an evolution, which uh, would be great to see. So I've got one more question about traditional gamers, which I'd like to ask you. Recently, I, I was working with a company and they asked if I could give an elevator pitch length answer to, you know, what is the value of blockchain to traditional gamers? And I spent far too long honing the words of this to try and get the full message across. And I know this is a difficult question to put you on the spot for, but if you had sort of an elevator pitch to the traditional gamer who is suspicious of NFTs, how would you sell the value that we see? Well, I think like we've been very taught, like usually the blockchain gaming industry has been taught this idea that Yes, you, you wouldn't lose all your content all the time you spent could be recovered. Uh, all the item you have could be transferred to another user, sold and so on. I would say like, this great, but that's not enough. It's, it's a nice to have, but what's great to have is like, you need to have like great experience that will really make you emotionally attached to your digital assets to the point that indeed you wouldn't want to lose them and also, like you incorporate the idea of like selling it is something that's uh, actually not just uh, possible, but also authorized, fully embraced, part of the gameplay. Many core gamers, they, they are grown accustomed to buy accounts on platform if they want to uh, level up, get better characters, etc. But now, like they don't have to go through those weird ways. Uh, of doing and they can like have a full white uh, instead of black market or gray market white market to do so into a very open economy and here i'm really talking to that very specific core agency reference not the general one right mm. hmm. cool well you, well you touched earlier on the the challenge of, of onboarding in the space and having to you know tailor things to make that experience easier and that's a that's a suppose an issue that we're seeing across the web3 space you know it's not inherently um easy in most cases for a, a traditional gamer who knows nothing about crypto to you know create their wallets hold their private keys you know understand what a hard wallet is all of these kinds of things so um 
maybe want to go a bit further into that, but my wider question was, what do you see as being the biggest challenges or problems that the blockchain gaming and the metaverse space uh, is facing? And how do you think we should tackle those? There's always a lot of challenges in place. Like, you know, and, and the, to back what you were saying, like, yes, uh, every challenge is an opportunity at the end of the day. Even like the Steam ban is an opportunity to like, well, uh, find an alternative or build your own distribution. Um, so in the case of blockchain games, there are still challenges now appearing. Uh, like the ecological impact has been removed because Ethereum has moved, has merged and uh, is now on a proof of stake instead of a proof of work. Or people have moved to Polygon and other layer tools. Uh, the challenge around regulation is one important topic that start to pop around many jurisdictions around the world. Some jurisdiction. Uh, like Dubai, for example, have made frameworks that are very clear and allows to evolve in a safe manner for creators and innovators. Europe has issued the regulation called MICA around uh, crypto asset and NFT with still some lack of clarity around NFTs in particular. So that is uh, something uh, that could impact like uh, the, the actors in the space, in this geographical region. U.S. is still very unclear, and that casts a shadow in the U.S. around that. I hear Hong Kong might make a major announcement next week towards uh, this. So it's interesting, definitely, how regulation evolves and, and understand and embrace and support an ecosystem of entrepreneurship and, and gaming around uh, those crypto assets. We're seeing also definitely the challenge around like security and safety, like now that People can own a crypto asset of value. We have to educate them also how to hold them securely, what they should be more careful about because there are new attempts. Scams, phishing have always existed. It's not proper to crypto, but because more users are moving into crypto, the, the threat are also moving there. So it's our job to like keep protecting them and educating them the more as much as we can. Um, and I would say like threats or, or new challenge come up as Innovation keeps going on and now there's some debate around like the creator's royalties allowing users to decide. For example, I know it sparkled a lot of debate within the industry. I find it's, um, it's a very, uh, it's not necessarily a, a question with an, an answer, but at the end, it's more freedom of users and uh, the fine balance between educating users on the importance of royalty for supporting the creativity and the creators. Yeah, it, it seems like something that the sandbox would be supportive of generally, the NF, NFT royalties, um, simply because it empowers the creator and it rewards the creator. Is that fair to say? Well, as I described before, like from the 5% royalties that sandbox takes, 50% of it is directly reinvested into the foundation. Some projects keep take higher fees and you don't really see where those fees go. How has it been reinvested on the development of the product or the platform for the benefit of the users? So I think like once you do a good job at explaining why are the royalties being used for, what kind, what do they support next, then maybe it will be uh, like, like user will also help and support the community and project they want thanks to that. Mm. Interesting. So Let's, uh, let's change tact a little bit here. So um, alongside, of course, your, your role the Sandbox, you're also the president of the Blockchain Game Alliance. Um, no, Token Game is a member, um, Atomic Cubs a gold sponsor, so by extension NFT Insiders are part of that as well. 
Um, and it's grown from this uh, kind of handful of Web3 companies um, several years ago to now, you know, over 300 members. And it's a melting pot of, you know, studios, esports organizations, media organizations. Um, did you expect it to, to grow as quickly as it has? And, and now that you have, obviously, uh, OMA3, um, how will the two work together to, uh, to kind of further um, blockchain gaming and metaverses in general? Great, great question. So, um, the Blockchain Game Alliance started in 2018. It was founded by eight core founding members, including Ubisoft, Everdry Star, Consensus, uh, Ultra, uh, typically, and a few other members. I wasn't, well, Sandbox and myself weren't involved yet, but I saw the announcement live. I was in the audience and I said, Oh, great. I wish I was there, but somehow. And then uh, a few months later, um, I was able to get involved and even take the role of president of it. Back then, we were maybe 30 members, and today, indeed, we are 400 members. So we've done a great effort as uh, like uh, growing the representation of blockchain companies around the world, facilitating them to network, and providing education, educative resource within the broader video game industry. And the fact that there are so many actors shows that this sector is in a full expansion. People, more and more developers from Web2, traditional developers, are interested to build in Web3 and need education to that. Um, it is exciting, of course, and I think it will keep growing because we are attending more and more physical conference, convention, organizing meetups and dinners after pandemic. That, that helps to accelerate that growth. Um, in the future, if our mission is done right, there will be no more blockchain gaming alliance. It will be just gaming alliance. So we might even dissolve at the end if mission is accomplished, you know. Uh, regarding the OMA3, the Open Metaverse Alliance, it is a different purpose here. It's really about like working groups to establish standards around metaverse. Not every blockchain game is metaverse related. Um, and so, um, there is no straight correlation from one to another. They run in parallel with their own objective. That's, it's interesting to see the direction this has gone. I wasn't in the audience for the announcement um, of Blockchain Gaming Alliance, but Token Gamer formed uh, early 2018. And I remember it happening and it, it all felt so quiet back then. It felt like there was there was so few games that we could cover. There was so few organizations that it, it felt it felt almost premature, but it wasn't. It was perfectly timed, really, because it it, it just preceded the the influx of uh, of studios and, and players. So I only have one question left, really, for you, which I haven't found a, a place to comfortably slip it in yet. But uh, you mentioned that Sandbox is moving to mobile. Uh, and I think mobile gaming is something, it's something Token Gamer talks about a lot. We've got somebody who is exclusively a mobile gamer. He's one of our writers um, and uh, very passionate about it. And he's written a few articles which can cite a sea of evidence on how powerful uh, mobile has become to the games industry. It's obviously bigger than every other platform combined, which is just still blows my mind. And um, do you think that this could be a, a real um, transitional moment for the sandbox when it when it moves on to uh, the mobile platform. And one supplementary question: How are you getting around Apple? Because we've got an app that's Web three based, and Apple have been very difficult. 
So we definitely we see mobile as a great gateway for people to start and driving with an avatar into 3D world. Uh, not necessarily at the beginning, purchasing, transacting, and so on. Just like socializing, and accessing those worlds, and playing with the NFTs. So uh, that's what we started to do. We're uh, working with Unity directly to port Sandbox to mobile. And by second half of 2023, we hope to launch a first version, so that will be all the events, all the season, all the experience that landowners self-publish will be playable on mobile as well, bringing them more distribution. So always thinking of creators, how do we give them more uh, users? Um, Temporary regulation of the platform, they are not necessarily clear or easy. So you have to navigate through them and make sure you, you're really fully compliant. And if you feel that, um, well, for unfair reason, Apple isn't really letting you in, you still have a chance to appeal from what they told us. So. Basically, you have to, um, from my experience as working in the mobile gaming for 10 years, you know, like sometimes some decision we had to appeal to, to get our app into it back then. So I, I feel like it's probably going to work the same way. Uh, there's no way to outsmart Apple yet on their own platform. So you just have to find out exactly how you are the most compliant with them, uh, or adapt your business model. Uh, on other platform, ultimately. Mm. Yeah. No, it will be interesting to see how uh, how Apple uh, and Android as well uh, kind of adapt to this rise of blockchain based uh, mobile games. But uh, I think I think we're we're almost out of time for today. So uh, before we wrap it up, uh, for those of, that are listening to the podcast, is there anywhere in particular you would like them to go? Anything you'd like them to check out? Absolutely. Well, thanks for like listening to this interview. Like, we'd like to uh, propose you to to try Sandbox out if you haven't. Uh, be curious. Check for yourself what I'm talking about. Create an avatar. It's free, and start playing into the live event like uh, Crypto Win uh, until mid November or uh, Gucci Vault that recently opened. We also have the season two until November second. There will be much a lot of great fun experiences. You can also become a creator, try out the tool, and maybe start building your own uh, dream world or dream experience with this no-code game maker. And uh, why not make it your next job or next uh, business? Fantastic. There's something for everyone in the sandbox. Uh, Sebastian, thank you very much for your time. And uh, yeah, it was great to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Looking forward to, to, to see you next and keep you updated over the years. Well, there we go. Episode 43 in the books. And that was a very interesting conversation with Sebastian. That was. That got quite deep, like quite quickly. We, we got a lot of insight um, in a very short period of time. He's, uh, he's so knowledgeable on, on the sector, which is why he's on every panel ever in, in Web3. My girlfriend asked yesterday who the podcast was with today. And I said it was with Sebastian. And, and then I explained a little bit who he is. And I was like basically throw a dart at a web3 conference and he's probably there on a panel somewhere like he's one of the most knowledgeable people in the space and i mean again he demonstrated that really yeah we're, we're entering the the heights of event season for uh, yes, we the are. web3 space next month what have we got well hey we've got atomic of live london we do Quick plug um second of november 
Uh, Rob will be there. I'll be there. And about 400 other people will be there <laughs> if the sign-ups are, are anything to go by. So, yeah, that's, that's going to gonna be a very, very cool event. So, mm. uh, if you haven't done already, that I mean, will there be any tickets left by the time this podcast goes up? Who knows? But you can head to live.tomicub.io to find out. Uh, and then, of, of course, uh, 3rd to 4th of November is uh, NFT London, which, uh, again, I think both of us are attending. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a Mutable X there. There's Atomic Hub there. There's who's who of blockchain in Europe is all there by the yeah. sounds of things. Yeah, it's and gonna be it's gonna be a big event. I've I've really not done that much looking into the schedule. I'm kind of just winging it, but I like I like that. I'm just gonna wander around the land because Gamescom is just mad. I didn't. It, it, I've never had anything more scheduled in my life. It was like military. Um, so I, I want a more, you know, laid back, just I can meander around, chat to people. There were many people at Gamescom where you could just see, like they weren't familiar with the floor plan. They just, you know, heads Who on was swords. familiar with that floor well, plan? Well, no, no one. But, Madness. you know, the, the amount of people that are like, hey, I'm going to have a meeting. I'm going to have like four meetings an hour. And then they yeah. get to the venue. They're like, oh my God, there's 15,000 yeah. people here. There's like, I, I don't know what the... The total space was at the venue, but holy moly, it was a city. <laughs> the whole, yeah, effectively was. Um, but anyway, that's a little off topic. <laughs> let's get to the outro, shall yeah, we? So, Rob, where can we find you? You can find us at uh, tokengamer.io, which is all the latest blockchain gaming news. Then the Token Gamer app is called Token Gamer, and it's on the Surprise. App Store and the Google Play Store. Uh, we have some really exciting stuff coming with the app. I can't say anything yet, but um, the app is about to get a lot bigger and a lot more impressive. Um, what else do we have? We have this podcast, which I imagine you've already found. <laughs> then we have twitch.tv forward slash Token Gamer, where on Tuesdays and Thursdays, Super Dope streams blockchain games, which is very cool. Uh, and then our YouTube channel, which is mostly Twitch highlights at the moment, if you miss his streams. And then we're doing some more video content. Um, we're doing like, we're doing so much stuff behind the scenes at the moment. I know you have this problem. There's so much I want to talk about, but like we're working with companies and organizations and we're, we're we're helping them build all these cool things and I can't really talk about them yet. And so it just looks like we're not really up to much, but um, we are, and it's very exciting. Uh, but just, I mean, just drop by tokengamer.io and our Discord and that that covers everything. Oh, Twitter, at tokengamernews. We we tweet a fair amount. Um, okay. Yeah, Jonathan. We, Is your full we, name Jonathan? No. <laughs> no <don't>. <laughs> 43 <laughs> episodes. <laughs> I mean, my middle name is Paul. And strangely okay. enough, bit of a JP. tangent. My yeah, yeah. Oh, I've not been called JP for years. Anyway, my my name is of course John Paul Nichols. Oh, my, my cousin, Paul John Nichols. Tell me who the hell, who who did Nobody that? Nobody communicated. Nobody Some, in your family was communicated. Someone is responsible for that, and it's not me. Anyway, um, <laughs> NFTinsider.io for the latest NFT news. Um, we've been doing all sorts of stuff this week. Um, as this podcast goes out. I believe Jens will have just uploaded her recap of Gamescom Asia, which was a very cool event um, from what I hear from her. And we did our first non-podcast video for like six months yesterday. Um, so we, we spoke a bit about Justin Can, the co-founder of uh, Twitch, and his new venture, Fractal. So if you want to find a bit more about that and the story so far, go and check us out on YouTube at NFT Insider. Uh, social media at NFT Insider underscore IO on Twitch and uh, twitch no we're not on twitch we're on twitter and instagram and um, we are also now on uh, coin market cap so if you go to coinmarketcap.com and head to their community page um and type in nft insider 
you'll be able to see us there, which is, I mean, it's basically a, it's Coin Market Cap's version of Twitter, but for Web three people, mm. and it's a, it's quite an interesting platform. I I think we're, it out, yeah. we're set to get verified on there soon, I think. So that should be cool. Um, and then for me personally, it's at Hydropowered H Y D R O P W R D on Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, Clubhouse, uh, Meta. If you want to add me on Oculus. Go do Ooh, that. If you want to add me on Steam. If, yeah, I, I think I keep adding them every week. It's getting ridiculous now. Yeah, but anyway, t- Twitter is the main link one. Tree. Just go Linktree. I, link I tree do need a Linktree, don't I? Either about done. Yeah, I really should. Everyone's got a Linktree but me. Mm. I just... Hmm. Maybe, yeah, maybe we should do one. Being a contrarian, you're just trying to... A little bit. Separate, yeah. Well, there's that. so many of those. That there's Linktree and then there was like... There's so many other like variants of it, and some of them are like Web three friendly, and some. Someone anyway. should make a link tree of link trees. Oh my god! If they did, I would find it very useful. <laughs> yeah, you pick your favourite. Um. Anyway, yes. Uh, Twitter's the main one for me. Um. Daily tweets on what's going on in the space. Um. If anyone, this is an open call to any creators right now. If you're selling badges, pins, patches, please let me know. I, I'm working on a. Uh, a little project, this little cool thing. Um, bought a few, bought a few patches this week actually, and a hat. But I look ridiculous in hats, so it's probably just going to mm, end up hung, hung up behind me somewhere around there. But I'm sure I'll put pictures on social when it arrives. Anyway, where the hell is this going? Right. <laughs> Who knows? Episode forty three is in the books. Thank you to everybody. Who has tuned in? Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, a like and subscribe would be fantastic. Have you seen YouTube's new layout, by the way? The new UI UX with all the highlights and things? Mm, yes, I have, yeah. Ooh, I'm a big fan. But anyway. I <laughs> like change. Well, I think that's a... <laughs> As most people, I think. Anyway, if you listen to this on Spotify or Apple, a five-star podcast review would be fantastic. Uh, and hey, if it's fun, share it around. Get some, uh, get some more people in here. Listen to me and Rob ramble at the end of podcasts because we have no idea how to do an outro. Um, so there we go I'm not sure what we're doing regarding next week because we'll be in person maybe we'll do a, an in-person episode but we'll see Yeah. Uh, live from NFT London which would be very cool but in any case thank you very much for watching I hope you have enjoyed this interview with Sebastian and uh, mine and Rob's rambling yep. um, and yes yeah, you've learned from last week it's great <laughs> <laughs> and um, we hope you tune in again next time 